you very much. So uh, just a, a word of my own about the change in service time, not only for you guys, uh, for your sake here, but also for those who may be listening as well. As it is, you notice that we don't start at 10.30, actually, uh, with, uh, particularly with the broadcast, because uh, Sermon Audio has asked broadcasters not to start on the nose on the hour and a half hour because of the weight, uh, the, uh, the, the amount of bandwidth and the amount of people that do that. So that's one reason why we delay a little bit. And then we do our, you know, all the announcements and all that sort of thing. So by the time we actually start the service, it's 20 till anyway. So it's actually not going to be that big of a difference and time-wise as far as the morning service is concerned. It's with this caveat, we shall endeavor to start the broadcast on the nose at 1045, which uh, is, we'll, we can all work towards that, make sure that we're in place and so on so we can, we can start at 1045 uh, with the broadcast. And uh, we'll probably, we, we may even eliminate verbally going through announcements unless there's some particular thing that just has to be announced uh, uh, verbally. So everyone will need to pay close attention to the bulletin and emails and all that sort of thing. But uh, anyway, that uh, will help that go forward. And then that will make the Sunday school hour much, uh, much more satisfying, at least from the teacher's perspective. And, and for those of you that want to ask questions, and we just often don't have enough time, so that will expand that Sunday school hour and make that, we hope, a more rich time of study together. So anyway, uh, that's uh, just my word on that. I wouldn't want anybody to think we're trying to shortchange the worship service. We're not. Uh, just trying to tighten it up a little bit and allow for uh, a more effective um, training hour uh, before. All right. Uh, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. If you'd turn there, please. I'm going to read the entirety of the psalm. you notice I trust as I read through this a, a theme that we've already been exploring in the music that we've been singing, the hymns we've been singing, of our Lord as our refuge. So if you turn to Psalm 91, stand please if you're able for the reading of God's holy word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to Yahweh, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made Yahweh your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, 
lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God adds his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Please do be seated. Safety is on a lot of people's minds these days, is it not? Whether it's the threat of viruses or civil unrest, government tyranny or loss of all sorts. In fear, we can look to many things here in this life to deliver us. And some of them uh, can even temporarily appear to be uh, effective. And because that's true, it can be a real temptation to look to things in this life to deliver our souls from sorrow and destruction as well. But there is no safety there. Perhaps you uh, noticed as we read through this, as we read through this psalm together, a word that kept getting repeated, uh, either actually repeated or uh, through synonyms, and that is the word refuge, over and over again. It is the governing theme of this psalm. In fact, it starts off there in verse 1, dwelling in the shelter. There's one of the synonyms, and one translation puts it, the secret place of the Most High, which suggests something of the the uh, place where we, we hide in our Lord. And that really is the point of the psalm. Not just that there is a refuge, but that our refuge is the Lord himself. And that is where your best safety is, is in the Lord himself. And not just for spiritual matters. There are certainly things here that are clearly of a spiritual nature, but there are also a number of them that speak to the realities of hardships and afflictions and trials in this life as well. So let's think about our God as our refuge in whom we have our best safety. So verses 2 and 3 are the first section. And uh, I can state this a couple of ways. I have it in your notes there. That God himself is your deliverer. God himself is your deliverer, or you could state it this way, he is our refuge that who delivers, who delivers us. And the deliverance shows in, in, a, in a few ways here. In verse uh, 2, it tells us specifically the ground upon which he carries out this deliverance, why he's our deliverer. And it's not hidden, but it's suggested by the use of the covenant name here. Notice in verse 1, you have more generic terms that speak to God's exalted position and his power. He is the Most High. He is the Almighty. These are general terms that would uh, speak to not only believers, but testify to God's character and standing in all of creation that all of creation acknowledges and must acknowledge that he is the most high and to their peril if they do not. 
And he is the one who, in his almighty nature, is the one who all, holds all things together by the words of his power. And so, believer or not, uh, all creatures are uh, subject to and can know God in those terms. But notice in verse 2, it switches to the covenant name. I will say to Yahweh, my refuge and my fortress, my God. And that is Elohim, uh, the one who is the Almighty One, in whom I trust. This covenant name of the one who is faithful to his people. I was speaking with uh, Brother Charles uh, before uh, the service uh, this morning. And he had been reading uh, in Charles Spurgeon's uh, uh, commentary on uh, this psalm. And Spurgeon commented on the first couple of verses, particularly that idea of the one who dwells in the shelter, or he was the translation he was dealing with, the King James, the secret place of the Most High. And noting that this is a place, this refuge is not something that those who do not know the Lord in covenant can experience. It is a special place of refuge for those who call upon the name of the Lord and whom the Lord uh, in turn calls his own. He delivers you and me as we are his children because of his covenant promises to us. He is the I am. He is the one who is faithful, always has been, always will be. And we can know that we can trust him absolutely. And without the faith that he gives... You cannot know that or be sure of it. But with the faith that he gives, it is an absolute certainty and you may find rest and peace in the one who delivers you from all of uh, wickedness and oppression and difficulty and keeps you until the very end. Notice in verse 3 a couple of different things that are mentioned that the Lord delivers us from. He says there, I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, first of all. Speaking of traps, now a fowler is uh, one who deals with hunting birds and uh, sets traps and snares for um, the, the prey uh, to come and, and light onto and then the, the, uh, uh, are able to trap those birds. And uh, that's how they... That's how they snare those hawks and eagles or whatever else they use to try to then train. They have to, they have to trap them. And the traps can be pretty enticing. There's many things in this world, are there not, that look very enticing to us. Whether it's wealth or position or the approval of men, whatever it is, those are traps of our adversary who would take us and bind us and use us for his own purposes in the church and individuals within it need to be on guard against the snares of the wicked, the traps of the wicked. But not the, the wicked out there are not the only ones who set traps. Um, we, our fallen hearts uh, and desires uh, are more than capable of getting us in all the trouble that we could handle and more so. The Lord delivers us not only from the, those that would ensnare us in the world and trap us into being um, uh, tolerant of wickedness or 
or thinking in ways that elevate our mind and heart to the position of God in our own minds uh, so that we can just we can decide how we're to move and act and think and speak in the world around us but there's also the traps of our hearts of pride of the desires of the flesh of other things that would take us away from our Lord and our Lord delivers us from those things too I think of the verse of the promise that the Lord will not suffer, suffer us to be tempted more than we're able to bear but with every temptation will give a way of escape our Lord will deliver us from those kind of traps too the traps of our own sin and then uh, and something that is uh, this is one reason why I thought uh, this would be uh, an appropriate psalm for uh, this uh, day and time a couple of things a couple times this is mentioned in this psalm this is the first one that he will deliver us from the deadly pestilence there's no uh, there's no uh, mystical anything about the word here it's speaking about contagious disease and the Lord will deliver us from those things now I won't ask for a show of hands about how many of experienced some form of illness this winter or the past year. It's probably going to be most of us. Um, so this promise is not about an absolute, you'll never get sick in your life. But it does say that these things will not overwhelm us as believers. I mean, I look around at our fellowship here and see everyone who uh, is here and know that uh, pretty much everybody here has been ill um, not just from the, vi the virus, but from other illnesses as well, um, including cancer and a number of other things. And yet here you are. You've not been overcome by those things. Our Lord has brought us through them, and we're still rejoicing, we're still here, we're still testifying of His goodness, and we know that He has delivered us from those things. And uh, I, it's a comforting a thought here in this particular psalm for our for our day especially and God even looks looks at the things that afflict our flesh and helps us to endure through them and delivers us out of them gives us healing in his good in his good providence and you know what even if there's not healing in this life and he decides it's his it's our <laughs> our time to come be with him, well then the healing's absolute. Uh, we, we have ultimate deliverance in him from all of those things, so we don't need to be walking around in fear of them. And that is a huge uh, subtext of this whole psalm, not to be living in fear, but to living in, in absolute confidence and peace in the one who is our deliverer, our refuge. Well, verses 4 through 8, we see another aspect of... God's refuge that is in himself. And I love this, and this is a familiar uh, section to most of us. In fact, as we've, as I read through this psalm, you probably heard um, a number of different phrases and verses that, that you've heard throughout your life. This is, a, this is, this is one of those psalms that uh, um, I call it a cherry-picking psalm. Because you can cherry-pick all kinds of phrases out of this thing that are really awesome to listen to and it's wonderful when you put them all together in context and see the real power there and here you have in in god himself is your safety shown in this beautiful image 
of the mother bird covering her chicks with her wings to protect them. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. And and from this, I'm taking uh, the idea that God himself not only is our deliverer, he is our covering. He doesn't just deliver us and then just kick us out the door on our merry way so that we can get smacked again. It's he delivers us and then protects us and covers us. So he himself is your covering. Or you could put it this way, that he is the refuge that covers. And he covers you. You won't see the word love mentioned in this section, but to me this thing is dripping with the love of God because of the imagery that is here of the bird covering its young and the the tenderness that is there. He covers you out of love. His protection of you is out of love. And though we can look at the struggles and the trials of this life and sometimes wonder, Lord, do you love me? Um, We know that he absolutely does. And he protects us, not just out of a love that's put on, but out of a heart that is the very epitome of what an essence of love itself. God is love. is not an accidental or casual thought. His love permeates all that he is and pours out to his children as he covers us to protect us. Now look at the nature of this covering here. It's, it's a faithful covering Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. I love this. It speaks, of course, to the fact that that shield and buckler is not going to be lifted off at an inopportune time so that we can get um, skewered with a spear or an arrow, uh, figuratively speaking. It is a faithful covering that will will not go away, will not fail us. But there was something else here that that came to my mind. When you hear faithfulness and shield, where does your mind immediately go? What's that? War. War, yeah. And particularly, um, the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, perhaps, where he goes through the various articles of our armor in that Christian warfare. And it's a shield of what? Shield of faith. Now, if you're like me, you've probably heard that a thousand times and probably have in your mind, that means what's going to shield me is my faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's some truth to that. But when I read this, I'm not sure that that's what Paul had in mind. Certainly, um, the, the, when we think of that shield of faith as being our faith that is shielding us, it's, we're thinking of a faith that's informed by the Word of God, that's encouraged by the Holy Spirit, confirmed by the Spirit in our hearts, right? That helps us to, to, to stand firm and know that, that, he's with, that He's with us. And yet, that's exactly the point here in Psalm 91. And I think very likely Paul has more of a mind that the shield of faith has to do with God's faithfulness to us far more than our faithfulness to him. 
I don't know about you, but uh, if I have to be honest, if I'm looking to start all, stop all the fiery darts of the wicked with my faith, I'm probably going to be toast. Because my faith is weak, subject to my sin, subject to my doubts, subject to the frailty of my flesh. God's faithfulness is not subject to any of those things. And his covering is absolutely faithful. And we can rest in that. And that's not to say that we shouldn't pursue a faith that is informed, educated, solid on the word of God. But the ultimate protection is God himself and his faithfulness to us. And then when you look at verses 5 through 7, um, this is a, there's a lot of really uh, incredible statements that are here. And notice the, the contrast in verses 5 and 6 between night and day. A couple of couplets that way. Terror of the night, arrow by day, pestilence at night, destruction at day. You have that contrast that goes on. Um, and, then, and then he goes on to say that uh, though thousands may fall at your side, it's not going to come near to you. You're only going to uh, see the recompense of the wicked. What does the Lord cover us with? Just a sense of, of, uh, of uh, I sure hope that this works out. No, these, these verses don't allow for that. The psalmist here is making it abundantly clear that when the Lord covers us, he covers us with confidence and confidence in him. Confidence regardless of the nature of the threat or the, the timing of the threat. I could have put another blank in there and put timing, but uh, just think of the nature, of the, regardless of the nature of the threat. And, and the, when you've got the thousand and the ten thousand, regardless of the size of the threat, no matter what the threat is, no matter how big it is, no matter when it is, no matter how fierce it seems to be, the Lord covers us faithfully during those times, and indeed during all times. That's the confidence that comes when you're under the protection of the Most High God who is in covenant with you. And if you are redeemed in covenant with Him, as He's called you to Himself through the blood of Jesus Christ, you may have that confidence. That's why in Christ we have the peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8, the last aspect of this covering, uh, this section of covering, of, uh, of the refuge, I should say, is that he covers you with justice. With justice. I'm sure everyone here wants to see justice done in the world. And I'm sure there are many of us that have had injustices done upon us, whether in word or deed. And we long to be vindicated. We want to see justice happen, um, that, the, that those who have oppressed us are undone. Not necessarily that we wish them you know, harm in a vindictive way, but certainly to answer for the wickedness. Uh, we would want to see that happen. We'd want to see God vindicated. We want to see ourselves vindicated. 
But notice what, uh, in, as the Lord covers us, as we hide in this refuge that covers us, notice what it says, you will only look with your eyes. Now what does he, what, what does that mean? It, very simply it means, uh, sit down, shut up, hang on, watch God work. Because it's he is the one, he's the one who is bringing about the justice, not you. All you have to do is sit there and look. Watch and see what God will do. There's an old saying that goes something along these lines. The wheels of God grind slowly, but they grind exceeding small. Certainly, when we look at you know, offenses that are done to us, we want to see justice one way or the other, whether towards ourselves or in society, whatever else it is. Our time is not... No, our timetable is not God's timetable. But we may be assured that He is working not just for time, but for eternity. And justice will be satisfied. And God will do it. And we will rejoice. And it may very well be that we get to see that justice take place, in which case we can rejoice in that. It may be in His providence that the justice comes after our time. That certainly happened many times throughout human history. And if so, we can still rejoice that in, whether it's soon or late, God will keep his own and he will bring justice upon the wicked and vindication uh, to his people and to his own name for his own glory. That is a refuge that is worth hiding in. A refuge that delivers us, a refuge that covers us. Now, you might wonder why I divided up the sections this way. Well, basically because um, verses 1, 2, and 3 speak to shelter and refuge. And then the next time you see uh, refuge is um, uh, refuge is in verse 4. And then the next time you see refuge is in verse 9. So I'm using that term refuge as the dividing sections of this Psalm. So now we're going to begin in looking at verse 9 on through chapter, or sorry, verse 13. This third aspect, there's, there's the deliverer, the one who saves us out of trouble to begin with. There's the, the covering, a place to hide, which is kind of a defensive, uh, a defensive uh, posture on God's part. And we get to verse 9 here, and now we have the God on the offense. God, the refuge, as our guardian. And uh, I just absolutely love this. A refuge that guards. Um, verses 9 and 10 speak to his guarding in very personal ways. Because you have made Yahweh your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Now, this word befall is an interesting one. Um, I kind of had to smile when I read it. It has the idea of literally picking a quarrel or picking a fight. Um, yeah, but here's a little bit of confession time. So... 
I came home for, for Christmas break from college one, one Christmas time. And uh, I don't know, I was in a fairly frustrated frame of mind for personal reasons, which I won't go into. Let's just say a relationship was on the rocks. And I was not happy. I was not a happy camper. So I was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. well, I was driving through our little town of Grants Pass, Oregon. Grants Pass had uh, three lanes going north and three lanes going south, split by blocks, the one-way streets and stuff. And, and I came into town for some reason. I don't remember what. I was in my old 59 GMC pickup. Had a big block V8 in it. It was fun to drive. I drove into town, and this guy pulls up next to me in an old VW Bug. I do not know what possessed this guy to do what he did, um, but he, I don't know what he'd done to the car. It was loud. He clearly thought it was hot, and uh, he followed me all the way through town. I, I was going north to go all the way up to come around and come back down to go to store and he's just irritating the fire out of me he's, he's following me he gets up next to me and he's all revving the engine every time we stop at a light and everything else he's like trying to get me egg me on he's picking a fight and it's just like you're an idiot what are you doing you know it's just dumb but you know he he was absolutely bound and determined we got up came back down was coming down the street um <clears throat> We got to the last light in town, heading south, and I finally had it. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. You're toast, pal. So the light hits green, and I took off. Yes, I beat him by a length. The only problem was there was a police officer right behind us. <laughs> Paid the consequences. Got on a police blotter for the only time in my life. For for engaging in, I still remember this, this was a long time ago, engaging in a speed contest. This is a 59 GMC against an old VW bug, and the GMC had the granny gear four speed. I doubt that we got over 45 miles an hour before the cop lit us up. And I was already a car length ahead of him at that time, just want you to know. <laughs> so a speed contest, well, okay. But nonetheless, I got caught. Um, snared by somebody picking a fight. That's kind of this idea. No wickedness is going to come up and successfully pick a fight with you. You'd be able to look at it and pass on and go, no, not going to go there. Not going to suffer the consequences of sin because wickedness is picking at me and picking us away. You know, very, very seldom is it not true. If, if a huge, major tempt, uh, temptation to gross sin came across your path, I would hope and pray that most of you would look at that and go, man, I don't know. I don't want anything to do with that. And we'd be strong against that. We'd say, absolutely not. Not going there. Not going to do it. It's the picking of the fights that get us. A little bit, this is okay. This is okay. Just let it go. Just this little pleasure. Just this little indulgence. Just this little whatever. The Lord guards us against that. And obviously, I'm glad he guards us against the big stuff too. But he guards us from being picked at until we just cry uncle and give in after a while. 
and end up doing the same awful thing that we would have stood up firm against had we seen it in all of its ugliness to begin with. So he guards us that way uh, from the picking of the fight. And, and, and as that happens, when you look at these verses here, because you've made Yahweh your dwelling place, the one who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. When you first look at that, you think, oh, okay, I'm never going to suffer any calamity and I'm never going to get sick. And that's not what he's saying, particularly in light of the fact of all of the other afflictions and difficulties and trials that are mentioned in this psalm. That they're coming your way. You can think also of passages like Romans chapter 8, where in verse 28, uh, you know, you have that Romans 8, 28, wonderful passage of the Lord, you know, that everything that takes place to us is for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And then it goes on to the wonderful passage of the whole progress of, 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 sanct- of, of salvation through sanctification, the glorification. The Lord's going to keep us through all those things. And you, we don't look at Psalm eight, uh, Romans 8, 28 and go, well, that means, you know, no bad things ever going to happen, particularly a little bit later on in the chapter when it speaks about sword and pestilence and, and all those other things that come. So this is not like a talisman against, uh, against evil. But uh, the, the commentator, uh, Derek Kidner, in his commentary on the Psalms, on this particular Psalm, uh, made this observation that what is really being asserted here is that nothing can touch God's servant but by God's leave. Or in other words, nothing's going to touch you unless God allows it. And that's a great comfort. And as he allows it, we still know that he is with us because of verse 9 there. We're dwelling in him. He is the refuge. And therefore, we will, nothing will undo us as it would undo uh, those that do not have this refuge. And, and, and then we get to verse 11, and here we have this, the, the verse from which you get the idea of guardian angels that many people speak of. I will be, I'm going to hasten to say this right now, that not even in this passage and not in anywhere else in Scripture does the Lord, uh, is the Lord said to assign each of us a particular angel forever and ever, amen, and that's our angel. That's a completely foreign concept. However, I don't think these words are idle words either. The Lord does protect us, and his servants are, minister, are said to be ministering spirits that attend to him and worship him, but also minister to us. I can think of times in my own life when I could find no explanation for physical deliverance in certain cases of, of, of hazard and danger, but by some aspect of divine intervention. It's like, I don't know how I made it through that. I, uh, the, Lord was, we, we say the Lord was watching over us. Well, this is, that's, a, that's a good thought. The Lord does care for his own. It's part of the refuge there that his servants are ministering spirits to God's people. In, in, in uh, Hebrews 1, that is spoken of that way. Uh, Satan, by the way, quotes this psalm here. You might remember when uh, he is tempting Jesus in the wilderness. He's trying to turn Jesus from faith to presumption. 
hey, go ahead, toss yourself off, the angels will take care of you. Um, and Jesus, of course, naturally rejects that. Your faith um, and mine is not based upon a presumption against God that, hey, I can just go do whatever I want and live foolishly and live dangerously and just expect that, uh, you know, God's going to deliver me. I'll go, run, go out and run in traffic. After all, I'll have an angel keep me from getting hit. Um, that is uh, not the kind of confidence that we're talking about here. Our, our guardian, uh, both he guards us by his own presence and also by through his ministering servants. When we truly set our love by his grace, set our love and faith upon the Lord himself and not the resources of this fallen world um, to deliver us, we know that he will certainly guard us and guard our hearts. We simply need to believe what he has said. You know, when, when you trust the Lord, as it says in verse 14, hold fast to him. And notice the person change here, of the, of the speaker changes um, to the Lord himself. Because he holds fast to me in love. That idea of trusting means staying in the refuge. Staying under the Lord's protection. Depending upon his guardianship. Knowing that he is the one who delivers us. Uh, when you stay there. And when you love him because you know his name. That's an interesting interesting use of the word translation of the word that is there. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's, it's an okay translation. Uh, it's sort of the end result of what the, verse, of what the verb is actually saying. The, word, the verb really, uh, literally, is because he is seeking or asking about my name. So this is not, you know, uh, you're going to be fine as long as you know everything there is to know about God. I'm glad that's not what it's saying. Anybody here know everything there is to know about God? I don't want to see any hands, because I know it's not true. But all of us are to be seeking Him. And as we seek Him, what does the prophet tell us? If with all your hearts you truly seek me, you shall ever surely find me, thus says the Lord. And as we find Him, as we seek Him out, um, and, and depend upon him and look to him no other. Look at the promises that are yours in verses 14 through 16. First of all, Yahweh will deliver you from trouble. I've already seen that, right? So is it up, summarizing up what's already been said? Um, I will protect him because he knows my name. So there's that deliverance and protection. I will answer him. He will answer your prayers. A lot of people pray in this world for all kinds of reasons. And many times they pray completely um, without connection to the Lord or really seek him, seeking out the Lord and, and knowing him in person and in covenant. They just kind of want him to be a fire escape. But the Lord promises as you dwell in him, he will answer your prayers. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. There's that personal presence again. I will rescue him and honor him. Interesting. Uh, 
Note the connection between honoring you is one of his, is his promise, but also the rescue aspect, and those things are linked together. Um, I don't know, can't remember here if anybody's ever been through a house fire and lost everything. But if you've been through a house fire, or maybe as you've been thinking about the potential that that might happen, you might have in your thought process, all right, what am I going to grab first or only? If there's one thing in this house that I want out of here and don't want to be burned up, what would that be? And, yeah, besides each other. Yeah. Or maybe that's it. But what does that say about that object or person? That you honor them. Think about Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. Ninety-nine in the fold, but one is out, lost in the wilderness. The shepherd leaves everything else behind, goes out into the storm, goes out into the hardship, and goes and delivers that sheep and brings it home uh, in a position of tenderness in his bosom. That's honor. The Lord promises you that honor as you dwell within him, as he delivers you from these things. His deliverance is part of the way he honors his children. What an incredible thought. The uh, next to last one is uh, in verse 16, with long life I will satisfy him and show, and show him my salvation. So granting you a long life. Eternity's pretty long. So I'm really solid on this promise. Whether it's in this life or the lives to come. Our lives, I, and I really think the idea is not so much years, but the idea of this phrase has to do with more a full life. Is promised to those who honor and love and seek after the Lord. And then finally, this beautiful, this beautiful promise that really summarizes all of it and ties it all up with a bow is I will show him my salvation um, it, literally, I will cause him to see my salvation. Both now and for eternity. We can know the benefits and the blessings of the Lord's salvation as he's redeemed us, continues to sanctify us, dwell with us, minister to us, and know that uh, our full inheritance still is in front of us and is surely ours. And he will cause us to see it. Um, I, I like that the nuance of cause to see uh, in the uh, in the original though show works I mean that's it, it's kind of the same thing it just, it's just that when you look at the, the that, that, that understanding of cause to see it really speaks to the Lord's intentionality about all of this I remember um, when when Carol bought her house in Sandpoint. And I remember the first time I came over for a visit. What did we do, Carol? We toured, we toured that baby. Man, I'll tell you, we, she showed it all to me. She was pretty excited about it with good reason. It's a wonderful place. Um, but all of us have done that sort of thing. If we've done a remodel or it's just a new place or someone hasn't been there a while and we, I don't know, change the drapes. Whatever it is, we, we love to show people what's what's happening and and we don't just go here's the door go take a look and, and the idea of showing it it's a it's a cause to see it's like grab him by the arm and let's take you through let me show you how awesome your salvation is 
Let me show you how beautiful it is, how perfect it is, how unassailable it is. This is a God who, uh, who delights for his people to see his, not just his glories, but the things he does for his people. So Jesus saying to his disciples, in my father's house are many mansions. And when I go there, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare them for you so that when I come back for you, then I can show you. These are the promises to, that are to those who are hiding in that secret place that's reserved for God's people. The lost can't know this. They can't know this peace. They can't know this safety. All they can do is put on substitutes and hope it works. And it, they don't. Not for any length of time. The psalmist here is delighting in God's presence. He's absolutely trusting his soul to the absolute God. Though man is born to trouble because of sin, and this psalm lists a lot of those troubles, none of those troubles can destroy the man who is safe in the hands of the covenant-making and keeping God. Your Lord keeps you and your soul in salvation in spite of all the calamities of this life. The pledge is his own faithful presence. And the pledge is not an empty one, but it's based upon the finished work of the, the Savior, the great Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the safety that we need. So let us not trust in any other remedy because the best safety is in God himself. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you are our refuge, a refuge that will never fail, that cannot uh, be broken down. Indeed, the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church because you are in it. So, Lord, let us not look to any other or to ourselves or to the wisdom of the world to deliver us out of either temporal or eternal dangers. Lord, let us rest in you as our deliverer, our covering, our guardian. And let us, Lord, walk with confidence knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We pray all these things in the name of our blessed Savior, 